Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Before we dive into our episode, I first want to take a moment to talk to you about spermidine by Primadine, made by Oxford HealthSpan. As you probably know, spermidine is a non-negotiable in my daily longevity regime. But what exactly is it? It's a potent polyamine known for inducing autophagy, which is the body's cellular renewal and recycling process that naturally slows as we age. But as we age, spermidine production also in our tissues and gut biome also begins to fall reducing autophagy, and therefore cell renewal. Hence, why it's something that I prioritize daily. Not only does it positively impact nine of the 12 hallmarks of aging, but it also triggers beauty from within. Studies have demonstrated that it supports hair growth, nail growth, as well as promoting collagen and elastin production. It also modulates circadian rhythm and improves cognition. I have seen these benefits in myself, my clients, and my parents. This supplement absolutely works. If it sounds too good to be true, you don't actually have to take my word for it. Just head over to OxfordHealthSpan.com and read the borderline miraculous reviews from other users. If you want to try it for yourself, use code BIONAT15 for a discount. Now, about our guest and our episode. Did you know that there's a connection between spirituality, a balanced nervous system, and longevity? When it comes to biohacking, we tend to focus on the supplements we take, the peptides we use, and the different technologies we can implement into our daily life. But what many of us forget is that our mental well-being plays a massive role in our health. We can do all the biohacks we want, but if our mental health is not balanced, we will struggle to optimize our health and longevity. Plus, the gut-brain connection is a thing. So my guest today is here to discuss why there's so much more to the pursuit of longevity than just biohacks and supplements. Her name is Danielle Laporte, and we are diving into the spiritual side of longevity and covering the corollary between the spiritual striving and the physical striving. We also discuss why a person's health history can be the key to healing, things you can do to eliminate any obstacles within your body, and how to balance your sympathetic nervous system with your parasympathetic nervous system. Danielle is a superstar, and I knew from the first day that I spoke to her after we were introduced by our mutual friend, Nadine Artemis from Living Libations, I knew that Danielle is a person that I would want to speak to on a regular basis, or at the very least hear her voice. So you definitely need to check out her latest book, How to Be Loving. If you're an Audible person, definitely download the Audible version of this book because listening to Danielle speak is, to me, is just a treat. Danielle Laporte is a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100, a group who, in Oprah's words, is uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. She is also the creator of the Heart-Centered Membership and the Heart-Centered Leadership Program, with over 400 leaders in 30 countries hosting conversation circles, retreats, and workshops in all kinds of communities and businesses. If you want to learn more about Danielle, you're going to want to go to her website, daniellelaporte.com and follow her on Instagram at Danielle Laporte. Okay, before we dive in any further, I also would like to thank our sponsor, Sensate. In fact, I've been using this product before they even decided to sponsor the podcast. Look, if you're someone who struggles to meditate, 
but would really greatly benefit from meditation due to needing to reduce stress and anxiety to increase deep sleep or to increase your HRV. I think I've pretty much covered everybody at this point. Then you're really going to want to learn about Sensate. It's an infrasound resonance device that when paired with the sessions in the Sensate companion app works towards reducing stress and improving well-being. This device emits infrasonic sound waves that are synchronized with the soundscapes in the app to provide deep relaxation in 10 to 30 minute sessions. What does that mean in English? It means that you have a device that looks like a black pebble about the size of the palm of your hand that you're going to place on your chest and that's going to vibrate, thump very gently. You actually control the strength of the vibration and through that vibration with the audio that's coming in from the app just puts you in this beautiful relaxed state. I personally love starting my mornings with a Sensate session to help get me into the right frame of mind for entering into my day. That being said, I also love a Sensate session at night to help turn off my racing thoughts and get me asleep faster. I've also noticed that when I'm consistent with using my Sensate, I tend to handle stressful situations with greater ease and I feel more adaptable to the world around me. And who couldn't use that? So if this resonates for you and you want to try it out for yourself, just go to the link bit.ly forward slash Nat and use code Nat to get yourself 10% off. Okay, this is the last little bit before the episode. You guys know where to find me on Facebook, in my Mighty Networks group. All you really need to know is just go to my website, natnidham.com, and that's where you'll find everything that you need. Know that we are still have a few spots left for our Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat in the Dominican Republic this November 1st to 6th. So if you haven't already done so, please go to natnidham.com go to the retreats page on my website and book yourself a call with me and with my co-host Dasha so we can talk to you about what this retreat is all about and see if it's really a fit for you. And now let's dive into the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome to the show, Danielle Laporte. It is such a pleasure and a gift to have you here today. Thank you. I've been thinking about this conversation, which is saying something because this is out of, I know this is like a departure from your regular con, your regular programming. I'm, I'm interrupting <laughs> And this is a kind of conversation I don't usually have, but I, I have some thoughts for you. I've been thinking about you on my morning walk today and longevity. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm honored to have been present because <laughs> you've been in my head because I've been listening to your book, which mm -hmm. is, I have to tell you guys, as much as I prefer to physically be holding a book, I prefer to have a book to write in and scribble around and fold pages and do all the things. When the book is, I mean, listening to your book being read by you is, it's so much more. So I would definitely encourage people if you, I mean, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to plug a book before we've even had a discussion, but if you're inspired by the end of this conversation to give how to be loving a read, then I would encourage you to also get the audiobook because it's a real treat. You have a great voice and you have a great way with words you drop a couple of F-bombs. It's just perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, this is truly holistic. 
<laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah. but it's it's honest, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's very real. And I think I think a big. I mean, I never mind. I think like who you are is just this real, complete person. And the book is this beautiful exploration. You bring your own experience into it about, and it's about journey. It's about our journey, this our journey through this really messy kind of life and how we make sense out of it. So, so anyway, thank you for what you've done with this because it, it, it really, as you say, this is a departure for me in this podcast. And you know, I, you get to a point where you're thinking, okay, there's so many supplements, there's so many biohacks. Everybody's looking to what do I do? What do I get? And and it really hits me sometimes in my community because people are so so many of the people in that community have been working so hard to solve such intractable, seemingly intractable health issues. And you kind of sit and go, well, wait a minute, like how can we kind of tap into ourselves and at least facilitate the process? Is there something we could be doing to move through this with more ease? Yes. Even through the tough stuff. Yes. And uh, it seems to me that's the work that you do. So I'm, I'm going to kind of stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. I I, want to stop talking. I want to let you talk because, you know, we talk about longevity. We talk about optimizing health and all that stuff. And you talk about this side that we, it's actually, you know, you just can't throw money at it. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. Yeah. There's so many ways we could take this one. I want to talk about the, light side and the shadow side of our obsession and pursuit of longevity. It's healthy and it's unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you want to get into it, I'd love to really get into the metaphysics of healing because that's where I start. Of course, I'm doing all the supplements. I mean, I'm working with you, right? I'm doing all (laughs) the supplements. I'm interested in the peptides. I got my nano V thing on my desk right now. Um, All the things. But for me, it has to begin and actually end with the spiritual, not even the psychological. For, yeah. so, so for me, it's like it's spirit, which is soul and heart energy. And then it's the psychological. What's the mind thinking? What are the how's the ego playing into this? And then what are the things I can do for my body temple? all of my energy bodies, auric field, physical body, mental body to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Can we start with the dark and light side of? Let's do it. Body? Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I love that. Let's go. Well, there's some mystics that believe that your every breath is pre-assigned hmm. and that you will breathe X trillions of breaths in a lifetime. So like, Uh, When your number's up, your number's up. This is really interesting to consider because it pushes you to think, well, if, you know, the divine's going to pull the plug when I'm 30 or when I'm 90, then why bother with a whole bunch of things? Why bother with loving kindness and wellness and all these things? Well, if your number's up, when your number's up, you still have the free will to live a more, fulfilled, pleasurable, healthy, radiant life. Mm -hmm. So make this really gets down to like, make the best of it while you're here. Also, if it's up, doesn't it make it feel like every moment is precious? It also points your attention to 
something bigger as that is at play here. Like mm-hmm. I always refer to myself as I'm just a soul named Danielle. I'm, I'm this huge, vast energy as we all are that have crammed ourselves, really densified ourselves into this material form called body. And all of these energetic dynamics are going to manifest in this suitcase in this coal meat suit, as people call it. I really dislike that. Hi, the, 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 meat, oh, the meat like OS that. thing is so cringy for me. Yeah. So I think when it comes to longevity, so, you know, you can get down with that theory or not, or just take it as like, you know, something interesting to play with. But I see, um, I know that there are some of us want longevity because we're afraid of death. Mm-hmm. So it's really the unhealed shadow self, the ego that's driving this obsession with life hacking. And you really are just hacking away at a life. And then some of us are into longevity because it really comes from the heart. This is the same place in us that wants to leave the world a better place, that really believes that we deserve fulfillment, that you know life is working for us. And why not like use that goodwill intention and go as long as we can. Mm-hmm. I'm now more on the side of longevity than I used to be. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm up, I'm up for it, but I also don't, I I'd love to get some more statistics on this. So you can't quote me on this, but I think I heard once upon a time specifically in Canada that 85% of our healthcare dollars were spent during the last 5% of someone's life. Oh yeah. I've, I've heard that statistic too. Yeah. No, we we invest in illness. There you go. Yeah, we do. We do. And the, you know, and, and if you look at the industry as a whole, the whole pharma industry is invested in illness, in sick care, right? Yeah. Profit Um, from sickness and tyranny. but, you know, to go back to your idea on on how hard people work for longevity and and how much it's becoming like this hard chase, like it's becoming mm-hmm. a, it's like the pursuit, right? Mm-hmm. It's this, and it's very external, very often. And as you're speaking, like a, you, you kind of, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, it sounds like, a, and it's so funny because I'm about to say, like, it sounds like a lot of work. And occasionally you'll hear some of these big names going, I want to live to 180 or I want to live till 250. And I'm sitting there going, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, like, it, just, like, yeah. it just sounds like a ton of work. And and I and it's not that I don't want to live a really long time and I don't want to and I don't want to be healthy for as long as possible. And I would say that my desire for health and vitality supersedes my desire, you know, like I don't want longevity if I'm going to be like a noodle in a chair, not remembering my own name. Like, I'm just not that interested in that. But, but, but at the same time, it's become this hard chase. And what if we could take our foot off that gas and move into it with a bit more, more ease. And as I was listening to your book, what was coming to me was, you know, this kind of inner work, is it possible that it could bring us to a place where it's not like we don't want longevity? It's not that we don't want health span and we're not still going to do all those things, but can we do it in a way that doesn't feel so freaking hard all the time? <laughs> that, that isn't, that doesn't feel like a job, right? And that 
we're not we're not checking in with ourselves and seeing are we in alignment internally with what we're seeking on the outside so mm-hmm. anyway that's i think there's a corollary between you know the spiritual striving and the physical striving so the physical stuff being the pursuit of longevity and that's really kind of um when i say ego driven i don't mean bravado driven although that's definitely part of it but just like that unhealed part of the psyche wants to live as long as possible and not suffer. Mm-hmm. The corollary is someone who identifies as being on the spiritual path, the same kind of striving happens. It's like, I want to be free. I want to be enlightened. I want to avoid suffering. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get to this place. I mean, I, I write about this and how to be loving, like the enlightened thing is eventually you get to this place where you're just like, Oh, I have an ego. So what? I am, I am unhealed. That's that. You just rest with it. Mm-hmm. Life's going to take you where you're going to take you. And I think what you're describing is that same place. I think we could get to with longevity. It's like, I'm going to do my best to be vibrant and vivacious in all ways. And life has the upper hand. You're at peace. Yeah. You're at peace with the inner and the outer and you want the very best for yourself and others. Yeah, no, I I I really love that, and you know, I, one of the things I want to I, I would love for us to touch on is people who are dealing with chronic illness, mm-hmm. right? People who are essentially souls who are trapped right now in a vessel that is, by our definition, suffering. And and mm-hmm. it's interesting to me where within that group of people we can find people who still find joy in life who still, and yet another group who are, and I mean, no criticism at all, but you know, you, you see how different people are, are managing this very differently. And, and I wonder if some of it has to do with, with the work that you talk about and that you do in the shadow and the light. And are some of these people somehow able to tap in a little bit differently, metaphysically and energetically Mm -hmm and see past the physical suffering piece. Yes. On some level, or at some point, everybody's got to become aware you're not your body. You are something much bigger and greater. So just, you have to put that in the mix. I think our spiritual lessons get lived through the body. Mm -hmm. I think the call to be with, to handle physical suffering is one of the highest, most difficult calls to enlightenment that there is. And I've had some chronic discomfort in my life, long-term stuff I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I'll tell you some of my greatest expansion, my greatest experiences of like intimacy with myself, my most powerful moments have been with me actually speaking to my physical pain. And so, you know, it's been a concept that I've lived with for a long time of like, accept things as they are. (laughs) And it's all easy to like be snow white about that when it's just like, you know, you know, having a, having an argument with your partner or, you know, someone in the shoe store, I, I can, you know, we got that. But when you are suffering chronically and something is on fire and you don't know where it's going, it's a much different conversation. Mm-hmm. So my practice ended up being, and it's, it's still this, cause this is really 
game changer for me. I could see myself negotiating with my body, negotiating with spirit. Um, So it goes something like this. Okay, physical pain, ailment, illness. Um, You've come to tell me something. There's a lesson in this. There's a reason I've manifested this. I've somatized something, whatever. Okay, what's the lesson? That's a lot of work for most of us at some point. Eventually, you do go up the spiral and you're like, okay, right away something happens. You get a hangnail and you're like, oh, what's that telling me? Okay. (laughs) And you can hear the lesson. You might have to be contemplative, go for many walks, have a coach. A good friend will tell you, you know what it is. You keep spraining your ankle because you don't want to move forward in your life, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes I could sound like magical thinking, but lots of us really get that. That metaphor has such meaning, the metaphors of the body. So I speak to my body. What's the lesson? I get it. You know, I've had long-term respiratory stuff, mystically speaking, you know, it's got a lot to do with grief. I know this processing stuff. Then it was getting so chronic and it was like just so much pain. Um, And then I had interstitial cystitis, which I wouldn't wish on anybody. So it's a bladder situation where the lining of the bladder is inflamed. You feel like you have to pee all the time. You don't know if it's going to get worse, if you're going to be able to, like, I remember one time going into a doctor's office. This is one of the last times I went into an MD's office. MD's have their purpose. It's just not my number one call go-to. And with the interstitial cystitis referred to as IC, it said on a scale of one to 10, if it doesn't get taken care of, if it doesn't get healed, how likely are you to commit suicide? They asked you that? Yep. And I thought, wow, this ailment is very serious for some people. So about a year ago, I've got the lung stuff going on. I've got the IC flare up, which I had healed a decade before. So you're double frustrated when yeah. something returns, right? Yeah. Like, have I not evolved? Didn't, didn't the supplement work? Didn't the protocol have an effect? And I shifted my relationship to the illness. And instead of trying to push it away or negotiate with it, like, if I do this, will you go away? Mm-hmm. If I do the supplement, if I do the protocol, if I do the meditation, will you just leave me alone? I said, what is the most loving thing I can do? Cause that's what I'm, that's what this is all about. You become the healer. You become the lover, the loving parent. What would it look like for me to love all parts of me unconditionally, including this illness that I know I've created? So I said to my ailments, yeah. even if you come back tomorrow, I will love you. I will listen to you. I'm hearing the message. I'm learning lessons here. I'm seeing the patterns in the illness. I have what it takes to be unconditional with myself and all the fragments and the ailments. And that was a huge shift for me. And I felt my, the inflammation in my psyche start to cool down. I could feel my inner child. That is really the inner child will just scream through the physical ailments you know, the anxiety, the tumor, the whatever is the unhealed shadow self just saying, look, I'm speaking through your body now. Mm -hmm. Are you going to stop and pay attention? Is it going to take another, whatever, another diagnosis, another divorce, whatever it is. Are you going to be, when are you going to be gentle? 
with yourself? When are you going to forgive yourself for that or them for that? And this is where we get into that really esoteric terrain about energy blockages and how they manifest mm-hmm. as illness. Yeah. It's interesting what you're, you know, the, the idea of, I think, I mean, and I've been, I've had bouts of illness, but I would never compare what I've dealt with to what certain people in the world that I know are dealing with. Right. I mean, so much more serious, so much more intense, but to me, what you're, one of the things it's, it's our instinct is to flee. Yes. Our instinct is to fight, turn our back to it, push it away, push it down, get away from it, make it stop. And the language that you're using is actually turn around and sit with it and look at it and and be with it and try to and and and, and even when you're dealing with, with with pain, if you really think about pain, how much of that sensation of pain is fear? Oh yes, right. that's the nature of hell. Yes, right. And yeah. and so if if we breathe through pain and we are able to calm the fear, mm-hmm. interesting how all of a sudden the pain somehow becomes more manageable or more tolerable, in a sense, mm-hmm. um, in a way that you know you, you don't have that same nervous system activation that that has you fighting it all the time and. <laughs> I know not what I speak of because let's be clear. I mean, I've dealt with a lot of, you know, I've, I've had surgery. I know what that pain is. And I keep saying that because I know that there are people listening to this who are want to punch me in the face right now and say, you have no idea what you're talking about. And yet the people I've spoken to and, and the things I've heard in your book, there's a piece of surrendering, not to the illness, but surrendering to the place that you're in that allows you to work through it in a different way. Yes. You expand instead of contracting. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all know that, you know, just relax before impact and you won't be as impacted. So there's something to this. And besides, and I know this is very meta for lots of us. It's like, it's happening. Deal with it lovingly. Deal with it from that place of yourself that really is impossible in possibility thinking. Like mm-hmm. we have the possibility to see this, to meet this, to heal with it, to be with it. If it lasts, it's going to last longer than you want it to. That's the nature of pain. And I mean, we can get even meta meta, which is it's all coming with a message. All pain is coming to the surface to have us be more conscious. Mm -hmm. We have to engage more consciously with it or it will get louder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When we started talking, you talked about the shadow and the light work. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's delve into that a little bit. Cause I mean, I, of course I was listening to the book and I'm like shadow, shadow, shadow. And you're like, and then there's light. And I'm like, Oh yeah, the light. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we, we, we tend to focus on the thing that we don't focus on ourselves. Right. But there's this dichotomy within us and you can't have one without the other. And in the book, you talk a lot about dealing with the shadow, doing the shadow work, dealing with the shadow self, the inner child, like that whole thing. So 
Maybe unpack that for us a tiny bit. The shadow is the stuff that you don't want to deal with. And all the stuff that, you know, I say is in the basement of your psyche, your shame, your family of origin issues, your arrogance, your fears, your neuroses, all that stuff. All the reasons we're in coaching or psychotherapy, (laughs) looking at it is the shadow work. We become more powerful. We become more powerful healers. We say like, what's really going on underneath the surface? I'm going to bring that darkness to the light. I'm going to put my attention on it. Why did I say that? Why did I take that? Why did I take that supplement? Why, why did I show up that way? Why do I keep creating this illness? Why do I keep throwing out my back? Mm-hmm. Look at, you know, it's just like, stop and look and the power is in there for two reasons. One, it's so powerful to be the conscious person in your life to say like, wow, I'm going to take radical responsibility for what I'm creating in my body, mm-hmm. which means you've got the power to actually create healing until you take responsibility for it. <laughs> you are not going to feel empowered to burn through it and get to the other side or to really be your own health advocate. Mm-hmm. If you're not having a conversation, if you're not, if you don't have a practice of stillness to observe your thoughts, like, wow, I'm thinking like perpetual looping critical thoughts all day. That's got to yeah. be affecting my stress level, my nervous system and my health. Okay. Until you get into that degree of intimacy, you are not going to be able to have to navigate any kind of healthcare system. Mm-hmm. You're going to be at the mercy of every expert, whether they're on you know, the naturopathic side or they're on the Western medicine side. So you got to be looking at your own self. That's the shadow work. And then the other power in it, other than just saying like, I am conscious, I can look at stuff is behind all that pain is the transmutation. Like the pain turns into the power. So you know, I'm really into this concept of being the antidote, just like, so, you know, so interesting, this conversation of wellness. So it's like, you know, behind your, um, you could probably speak more to this and with respect to immunity, but it's like, you know, if you look underneath all your fear about rejection, you'll actually find this awareness that you belong to this great community, whether it's your family or your neighborhood in Toronto or humanity. So the the opposite of your pain is there, but you don't know that until you do the work and you get in there. Yeah, for sure. It's um yeah the the issue of belonging is um it's a big one, right? And yeah, I it's just you know it's it's interesting to me how big a role this all this plays into our 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 health and our sense of well-being. Very often the people who are the happiest are not always the healthiest. Well, this is there's kind of this um there's this misperception in spiritual/wellness communities that spiritual people are healthy all the time. That we are that we are well like if you were really moving towards enlightenment, you'd be in vibrant health all the time. It's just not the case. I mean, you look for lots of reasons. I mean, you look at 
there's great mystics and teachers who have suffered physically horribly. And they would tell you, I mean, Ram Das had a stroke. Krishnamurti had terrible migraines that had him holler in pain. Um, Yogananda would be crippled in pain sometimes. Now, sometimes these these greater mystics, these, these yogis will say that they are actually taking on the karma, the pain of their community, and they're burning it for them. That's, that's love. Um, every one of them will tell you it's karmic. And then we have to switch our, so if we talk about karma and illness, we also have to talk about compassion. So somebody could, I'm sure somebody listening is going to say, are you telling me like I created this illness? Yes, that's what I'm saying. And you have to meet that reality with compassion. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be flooding you with love and resources and free health care and excellent health care. It doesn't mean I don't feel total compassion, heartbreak. I mean, I have friends who are fighting for their lives right now with cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's just the, the first response is grief. And then an interesting conversation maybe to be had someday, like, why this, why now in your life? Maybe you never know why. You leave lots of room for mystery. But just like, what did this teach you? What did, What are you learning about the cosmos, about your body, about your family, about your husband, all of the stuff? Yeah. Um, but I used to think, I used to be so self-critical. You know, I would get, I'd get a bronchial flare-up. And I just think, I'm, I'm not getting this spiritual thing right. But this getting it right was meeting all of my physical challenges with compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting because that is a critical thought, right? I'm doing it wrong. Therefore, mm-hmm. this is why I'm getting sick, which at the end of the day is a criticism. It's like, you mm-hmm. dumbass, like, why didn't you get it this time? Why are we back here again mm-hmm. to, to a point? Yeah, you just said something that, that that got me thinking a little bit in that, you know, going back more to the physical, to the physical piece. And and because again, I mean, I want, I don't want the audience to get left with this, oh, so I'm just supposed to be like sitting in an inner tube, floating down the lazy river and letting things unfold, which mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a piece of that, but it's not, you're not really helplessly being swept along here. You're still doing all the other things. Like, you know, if you have an illness or whatever the case may be, you're still going to be looking for what's, what, what maybe can, like, what are the physical things that you can do? But I think the point is what's the other side of it. And, and it's recognizing in many ways, addressing this inner work and the, and the shadow work and all that is actually paying homage to the power of our mind and our spirit in our healing journey, mm-hmm. which I think we just, we don't give enough. We, it's too easy not to, because it's too hard. It's the harder piece, right? You can go yes. buy a drug. You can buy a piece of equipment. You can pay a doctor or whatever the case may be, but doing that work, you can't pay anybody to do that shit for you. <laughs> like, you, you have to do it yourself. And mm-hmm. And that's that's where I think the difficulty comes. But but maybe speaking a little bit, you know, speaking a little bit in the in the book about um, I love the chapter on the heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was something so powerful about that. 
mm-hmm. about the power of heart and mm-hmm. and that it's what was it? I think it was like it's 60%, like 90% of the messaging between the brain and the heart is the heart speaking to the brain. Yes. So we've had it wrong all this time. We, we get it wrong reverse. completely. Yeah. Yeah. So really you have the feeling, you have the emotion first and that emotion registers and that sends the signals to the brain that are released, the adrenaline, cortisol, the dopamine. And HeartMath has done some great research around this, which Joe Dispenza has, you know, taken and run with uh, in a great way. And it's all measured, you know, the frequency, the vibration that comes off the heart and the brain can be measured with this tool called an electromagnometer. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the energy that comes off of the heart chakra is 60 times stronger than that that comes off of the brain. Crazy. This, is, this is amazing, right? So what does that mean practical in terms of your daily practical wellness regime or how you're going to get along in a relationship? Follow the heart. And then you use your great brain and your intellect to strategize on what the heart tells you to do. Yeah. Right. The, the, the impulse of the heart, the desire, it will often look illogical, but it's inclusive. It's where the wisdom happens. It will give you the next best thing to do and then engage your strategic thinking on how you're going to get in with the best practitioner and where you're going to order the supplements and how you're going to reorganize your pantry to get it all together. But really the intelligence of the heart, which I think most of us intuit is the game changer, but Mm -hmm. we are indoctrinated. We're actually made um, historically ostracized to put really that, you know, that divine feminine wisdom in the lead. But the world and every social system is begging for it. And to be a leader in any industry right now is to put the intelligence at the heart, really loving kindness at the center of all developmental strategies, especially healthcare, especially wellness. I mean, I just was in the ER. I mean, I could go on about this. I don't need, no, I know I don't need to tell talk to you about this or your people, but I was like, I was in the ER with my man um, about three months ago. And I just wanted to weep of how people are treated. I mean, we have the fatigue and the burnout of the wellness practitioners. I understand that. I mean, the system is not benevolent or supportive of them even. No wonder they're not supportive when someone, you know, walks up bleeding and just says, can I get this? And it's coldness. And it's just, there is zero, zero, curiosity about the cause Mm -hmm. there is very little curiosity or empathy about the spiritual and psychological effect of the physical ailment it's just we meet it at the ailment yeah and um it is i really think that that way is really the downfall of our society so Uh, To, to bring, this is so ridiculous, can't even believe I have to say it, to bring loving kindness into healthcare is the power move. It is the evolutionary move that needs to be made because it's not there and it's why we're sick. I'd like to take a quick break from our episode to chat with you about Level Up. One of the main questions I often get asked is how do you start implementing peptides into your longevity retreat? Well, Level Up actually makes it really simple with their oral peptides. 
And gut health, as we know, is a key component of your health for today and of course, for longevity. So these days, I've been loving their Ultimate GI Repair, which is shown to be one of the most powerful GI tract healing products on the market. It features peptides like BPC-157, lorazotide acetate, KPV tripeptide, as well as gut healing naturals, zinc carnosine, quercetin, tributyrin, copper, and sodium bicarbonate. So it's got, it's like this full package to stimulate healing in the gut. BPC-157 alone has legions of studies showing that can help to heal the gastrointestinal tract. That's the GI tract. It stimulates blood vessel formation called angiogenesis. It upregulates growth hormone receptors, enhances collagen production and formation. Combine that with the many benefits of lorazotide and KPV, and you have a recipe for a healed gut. And now, did you know that when you start using peptides for a specific issue, you can see results in as little as a month or even days. So if you've been endlessly struggling with gut issues, Level Up's Ultimate GI Repair could be the one thing you haven't yet tried to complete that healing. So to learn more, check out their website, leveluphealth.com, which is lvluphealth.com, no ease in level, to see the full range of unique products they have to offer. And make sure to use code NAT10 for 10% off your order. I mean, yes, money and resources for sure. But I, I, I agree with you. There's been, there's been a hardening, right? And it's, and it's because, because our healthcare workers are essentially, they've been put into survival mode. Yes. So they yeah. no longer have the luxury of caring, of asking, yeah. of being curious. It's just, how do I get through this backlog? How do I deal with the bodies in the hallway? I, I don't have time to sit and say to this person, well, when did this start or when's the last time you felt good? Or, you know, what do you think this is? Like I, I spoke to. What do um, you think this is? What a powerful question. Yes. Empowering the so-called patient. Yeah. Well, not only that, I interviewed a woman, not that actually it's a podcast that came out not that long ago. And she said, to, and she deals with people who have ALS or people who with like the most the craziest, craziest health issues, like health challenges. And she said, you know what, Matt, if you spend the time and go through a person's health history with them, they almost always know, they may not always be able to articulate it, but they always know where it began. She said there was one woman that she was, she was working with and that she wasn't getting anywhere. She wasn't getting anywhere. She was, and she goes, you know what? I went back to my notes and I'm like, holy shit, you have notes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. And so she had pages and pages of notes because she sat with this woman for, as she does with every one of her patients for like an hour or two hours going through. And then she goes, and this is a woman in her forties or whatever she is. And she goes, and then I got to the part in my nose where it said when she was in grade three, her parents kept her home for three months because she had mono. And that was the key. That was the piece of information. And and the woman knew enough to mention it, but it took the time and the clarity and the openness and the curiosity of the provider mm -hmm. to go back and find it. Yes, a provider of healing. Yeah. Half of healing is being witnessed. Yeah. You know, after that experience in the ER, I, I took to social media, as I often do. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was just saying you know, to giving people a snippet on my Instagram as I just did. 
And within a few hours, I got dozens of people DMing me talking about being former nurses and just saying, you know, things got so regulated. We weren't even allowed to listen to people anymore. And I had to leave. And this brings up such an interesting question and quandary about change, just social change, change in this industry. It's like, do you leave the system and do you abandon it and let it die to go start something new? Or do you try and change the system within? And I think it, this is my answer now, because I've really thought about this for a long time. In my days of, you know, I used to run this think tank in Washington, D.C. at all these futurists. And we would look at how social change happens. And, and this was really the guidepost, you know. And I think what it gets down to is you're either one kind of person or the other. And we need both. Yeah. Some people want to stay within the government and have it be more progressive and conscious and kind. And some people are just like, you know, screw this noise. I'm going to go start my own community, whatever, and get into entrepreneurship or I'm going to become a naturopath. Um, Yeah, you got to decide what your tolerance is. Well, and even naturopaths fall into the same trap. Right. Like I've, I've come across naturopaths who are just as prescriptive as doctors. And, and occasionally you'll come across a medical doctor who has come to this realization and they've had to step outside. They've had to step beside the system, right? Because to work within the system, it doesn't allow you that latitude to speak and to, and to hear and to listen, but they all and, and, you know, you bring up a good point. Do we abandon the system? We can't, I feel in a way we cannot because the system is, is all that so many people have. Those of us who can work outside of the system are frankly, we're privileged. Oh, we are the healthy, the the wealthier, the ones are going to be the healthy. I mean, may that not be so. No, I'm in the middle of a metals detox right now and mold. And as you know, it is. I'm thou I'm ten, I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in with my healthcare at this point. And every time I go and have an NAD IV for 230 to $500, I think about, you know, I just, I get moved. Yeah. I think about all the women who don't have the means to even figure out what's going wrong. Yeah. Who don't have the $600 for the test and the test and the test let alone the finances for the intervention Mm -hmm. and it's broken. And now I feel like, you know, the holistic wellness community needs, I know it's asking a lot, (laughs) but they need to take that on. It's like, they need to be looking at really with a great assertion, um, sliding scale models, pay what you choose, what can you do pro bono? Because it's not going to ha- happen in mainstream medicine. And, you know, the holistic healthcare industry, I shouldn't use the word industry in that respect. It is, an industry. Their, it is an industry. It you got to double down on, down on their, their leadership. Yeah. So, okay. So we're a little off. Yeah, we got there. right now. I think you want to get back I, to the heart. I think energy. we want, I want to get back to the heart because I want to get back to, our power to navigate through this, no matter yes. who we are and where we're at, right? Yes. So there, what we've just described, obviously, is a system that is in dire need of, of, of all the things that we're talking about. In a perfect world, a hospital would be run 
by a consortium of people, the practical, the economical, and the spiritual, the people that are going to say, okay, but how are, the, how yes. are we going to help these people to feel safe? So we get that. But yes. for us, the individual that is traveling through this journey of wellness or lack of wellness or our journey towards what we hope is going to be wellness, how do we help us ourselves to move through this with greater ease so that we're more open to the possibility of, yes. of healing, right? Yes. And yes. and along the way, suffer less in a way. It's a simple focus. Your entire life needs to revolve around regulating your nervous system. Yes. And there is lots of science and lots of metaphysics that gives you very simple, spiritual, and physiological ways to do that. So there, and there are some of those spiritual and, and physiological ways that are a meeting like breathing, have a breathing practice. It gets everything done in one box. Breathing has been revolutionary for my life. And a lot mm-hmm. of my heart center members, four counts in hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. Yep. Um, I mean, on the spiritual level, you are calling on source energy. On the physical level, you are regulating your nervous system, all all the things, right? Absolutely. Um, You've got to make time in your life for stillness so that the nervous system, the physical body can calm down and so that you can tap into universal wisdom, whatever you want to call it, your higher self, your guides, your heart, source, the infinite, It is waiting eternally for you to just slow down and tap in. And that's the power move. You know, when I, when I talk to, um, when I talk to corporations, more specifically women, and these are people, their nervous systems are jacked. The cortisol off the charts with cortisol. I talk to them about receptivity and a stillness practice. And it's, always tears because they've been going on this different track and receptivity is the way sit down, be still at the end of every every yoga practice. We do Shavasana. People think, you know, lots of us, you just, of course you want to chill at the end. You're just there for the Shavasana. You know, I got the t-shirt. I'm just here for the Shavasana. (laughs) It's actually to integrate everything that the body has done. So we need to build integration time into our life, which usually happens at the end of the day when we're exhausted, but integration for for the wisdom of the body, the body knows how to heal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so interesting that you say you bring in stillness, right? Because we talk about, you know, we have to, everything we talk about at the end of the day is an action, right? Prepare for bed, take your supplements for bed, do this, do that, do this. How often do we just lie down like for me my 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 secret weapon for falling asleep is it's either a box breath or a four seven eight mm-hmm. and and I, the way i explain it to my clients sometimes i'm like okay even if i think of it as boring myself to sleep whatever it is <laughs> right? it's like you know you inhale for four you exhale for seven for eight you hold for seven and then you start again it's it, it, to your point, it's it's the nervous system, but it's allowing yourself to not do and not think. How often are people not sleeping because they can't stop their brains? Mm-hmm. 
They just can't. And even when they're sleeping, that mind is still racing. So they're not getting the restful sleep. They're not, they're not allowing to shut down. But, you know, going back to the women in, in the corporate world where you get the tears because somebody finally told them to just, you just stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission to stop, to not be thinking about someone else or something else or the next thing. Mm -hmm. So one more thing. So we said box. So breathing a breath work practice, Yes. make time for stillness. Time for stillness, friendship, laughter has everything to do with the vagus nerve. Singing, mantras, chanting, right? Hang out with people. Really, really, I could just put a fine point on this. Treat yourself like you're five years old. Mm -hmm. Sleep when you need to sleep. Hang out with people who make you laugh and eat clean, good food when you're hungry. No overriding for all the healthcare things. But there's another layer here, which is the energetics. It's like, I think a lot of us can get down with the theory that we're all energy, but you need to take it to the next level in terms of the healing practice. It's the little things. It's like, are you feeling resonance, a a resonance of, of morals and just kindness and warmth with your healthcare practitioner? Mm. If you're not, it's a no. Yeah. It's a no. One thing I've learned in in my spiritual and physical healing is that what worked genuinely really worked for me last week, last month, last year, I really got the results. It may not be what's working for me today. I need a different supplement. I need a different protocol. I need a different meditation. And it's scary to sometimes leave those successful protocols and practices behind because we got results. Yeah. You got to take the next leap. You should be taking the next leap because you're healing. You're moving on to the next thing. And also to consider our openness to healing. There is a secondary gain. This is psych 101, but there is a secondary gain for perpetuating our illness. Sometimes we get the attention that we've been craving for so long because we didn't get it from our family of origin or, you know, our rebellious nature that loves drama gets to push against a system or our authority issue gets to be activated because of the relationship with the doctor, whatever it is. You've got to ask yourself, and this is, you know, some real, um, some real self-reckoning. It's like, what's the extra stuff you're getting from staying unwell? Where is the edge? How are you going to have to change emotionally psychologically, spiritually, in order to heal. I went to Mexico recently to heal my asthma. I fled Vancouver. It's rainy here all the time. The mold Mm -hmm. spores get kicked up and the mold in the buildings. And the lesson for me was that whatever you run from will chase you. And you really should have gone to Arizona. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to Mexico. One hotel was mold. I walked it like I'm a canary in the cold mine. And I just couldn't get it right until I just like, I realized that I had this secondary gain going on with my illness, which is I am so strong and capable in so many areas of my life, as I'm sure so many women and men listening to this can identify with. Like we got it together. We make stuff happen. But my relationship with my asthma 
allowed me to get sympathy in this one area. It was this one place that just like, can you look at me? Can somebody just stop and see I'm suffering? That's healthy. Desiring compassion is is a healthy response. But there comes a point where the old way is no longer healthy to move forward. Mm -hmm. So I was creating more unhealthy conditions, more difficult to heal. And I realized I had to reach deeper for my own strength. And this was about not needing sympathy from anybody. And when I got that, I came back and the solutions were lined up for me. It was like, ah, there's the next protocol. And all sorts of other things in my life happened. But when we really get to the heart of the matter of the illness, we will start to think differently about what's required for our healing. And when we start to think differently and we really become the mother of our own wellness, we will attract the right kind of healthcare providers into our life. The right supplement is going to show up and the stuff starts working and we become open to the healing. So I have this like micro practice I do with myself, whether I'm going for acupuncture or I'm going for an IV, which I've been doing a lot of, is I say to myself, I'm open. I am integrating this healing. I'm assimilating this healing. I give thanks for this healing. And when I do that, I can see my resistance coming up. Oh, but this isn't going to, or this costs this. And then I can address it. That's shadow work while you're healing your body. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, You mentioned something earlier, actually, that I think we forget. And, and again, there are, there are, there are, there's literature around this and that is the power of the people around you, Mm -hmm. the power of your community and your associations that people who get really, really sick, the ones who tend to do best are the people that have the strongest communities around them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't, um, I think, the most highly viewed TED Talk is the researcher guy from Harvard who talked about the longevity of people who had more loving relationships, who had longer-term friendships. I think, on average, they lived an additional 10 years of those who were more isolated. Yeah. 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 Love. It is, um, it, and it's funny, you know. So these, the, the you know, the breath work, the making time for stillness, the friendship, the laughter, the singing, the mantras, the people around you, like all of these things are free. They're all free. Love regulates the nervous system. And don't you want to be like, you know, I had a friend who was in a snowboarding accident, was in the hospital, and there was one person in a circle. Was like, man, yeah, I know. The doctor said you might not ever work walk again, and then his other crew came in and put post-it notes around his, his room of like, you were that said you were walking out of this hospital. Yeah. He walked out of the hospital. Who do you want to hang out with? Yeah. Like, I don't know about that prognosis or the friends are like, we're busting you out of here. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. It's uh listen, I have a, I have a girlfriend whose husband, I mean, I can't even describe to you how the disaster that was this health journey of this guy who, fell into a a ravine walking his dog, broke his leg, didn't get found for three hours, 
got Mm -hmm. needed surgery on his leg. Some doctor decided to take him off his blood thinners before the surgery. They did the surgery. He started throwing clots like a pitcher out of control. He had like 10 heart attacks and two strokes. Like he was like nuts. And the doctors are basically, and nurses are saying to my girlfriend, he's done. Like, let him go. He's done. It just so happens that she is a huge follower of Joe Dispenza's work. She, you know, she... She works within the hypnosis field yeah. of helping people to tap into. Well, she sat beside her husband and he walked out of that hospital. <laughs> <laughs> she said, for the love of a good woman, <laughs> but for the love of a good woman, but for, for the work that she did with him to overcome, to tr- not even overcome, I would say to transcend the physical reality of what was going and tap into somehow help him spiritually. I mean, I can't explain it. So I'm, I'm going to talk gobbledygook here, but somehow help his body to tap into an ability to, to get beyond physical realities that every medical professional in that place said were not surmountable to the point where when he did walk out of the hospital, they all came out to see him. Mm-hmm. As like, they should. Nobody could believe that he was doing that. Respect the miracle walking. Yes. Yeah. But she was like, the hell he's not. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she went to work. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I, you know, we're coming into the last few minutes of our podcast and I, 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 it's been a beautiful winding conversation. I hope that the audience has enjoyed it as much as I have. And you've definitely left us with a bunch of gems here. How would you like to close this? Where would you like to, where, where should we, how should we leave people with their greatest sense of love and hope and compassion? Because those are the three words, I think. Not even hope necessarily, but love and compassion are the two overriding themes mm-hmm. of your book. It connects to the story of, that you just told about the wife saying, you know, he's, my man's going to live essentially. Everybody listening has experienced some kind of love, whether it's the love they got from their parents or the love you have for your own children, where you would, it's the kind of, you would die for it, love. You would do anything. You will stand by their side. We know that that kind of capacity melts barriers. It has us think clearer. We pull in miracles. Amazing things happen. That's energy. Mm -hmm. That's energy you can generate and tap into that same kind of energetic force within yourself and you can melt the blockages in your body. And all ailments are just energy blockages. Mm -hmm. There is a, there's a signature energy code to it. So meet the energy with energy and yes, with the supplements and yes, sometimes with the conventional medicine, but first the strategy always start from within meditate before you medicate. That's it. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Danielle, where can people find you? How can they tap into your wisdom and work? The best place is at daniellelaporte.com because that's where we have an actual relationship about heart centered leadership in the world. And, you know, I hang out on Instagram a lot, but the algorithm is, uh, Got to do the algorithm dance these days. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Got to watch our P's and Q's. Yeah. So DanielleLaporte.com, How to Be Loving is the book. I recommend you guys read the book and listen to the book because listening to Danielle speaking and telling these stories is truly a gift and it will calm your nervous system down <laughs> most go. of the time. How unless she hits a nerve. Nervous system regulation. Yeah. Nervous system regulation, what it comes down to. So thank you so much for this, Danielle. I so appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answered a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.